On today's show, I am joined by friend of the podcast, Tyler Jones, for a two-part conversation. This is part one coming to you, and it's arriving right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1611 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday here in mid-December. And today's show is brought to you by PrizePix, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockdownNBA. Use promo code LockdownNBA for first deposit match up to $100. And also at the top of the podcast, I should tell you, make it your first listen each and every day on this podcast, anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And with all of that out of the way, I'm not even going to do the full intro like I normally would. I'm just going to bring him in right now. Tower Jones, welcome back to the podcast. It's a special Sunday edition, and uh, thank you for being here, my friend. Brad, I you know I got to always start the pod off with a question for you. <laughs> okay, bring it on. Um, do the Falcons still ruin your weekend? Oh, that's a loaded question. Uh, they don't ruin my weekend right now because my expectations are very low. Um, when they, you are you're already doomed. You already were like this season's a wash. Well, yeah. With, I mean, well, today. So, so obviously, we're recording this podcast Sunday night after the after the Falcons game. The, the Falcons, if you're not a Falcons fan, lost in hilariously on brand fashion <laughs> to the Panthers. Um, but no, I mean, if I had thought they were going to be like really really good this year, I would be crushed. But I, I never thought that. So they kind of are who we thought they were in a lot of ways. Is it, isn't it? Isn't it funny though? That the Falcons finally, for the first time in like what two decades, or not really since the Super, like second half of the Super Bowl run, they have a defense, and it yeah. doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. I get, I get annoyed, and we'll, we'll stop. We'll, we'll stop. I promise. But I, I get annoyed. I, I sent a, a snarky tweet after the game about how the defense is really like clearly overachieved and has like played well this year, and they're top ten in scoring defense, and they can't score, which is the most deeply ironic thing for an offense first head coach and a bunch of top 10 skill players, but the Falcons, Tyler, I'm glad you're off the narcotic. Uh, I'll just say that to you. I'm glad you're off. I'm mostly off. Uh, not, I'm, I'm not actually off, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, all that said, <laughs> let's talk about the Hawks. Um, we were going to talk about this uh, anyway, but uh, it's actually kind of a round number. The Hawks have played 20, 25 games, so it's kind of appropriate they're coming on for sort of a check-in on the state of things. We're going to dive into some stuff, as we always do when you are here. But I have to ask you for the general vibe now. They're 10 and 15. Um, of course, they're infamously 2 and 8 since Jalen went down. Um, they're 8 and 7 with Jalen, 2 and 8 without him. That seems to be pretty indicative of what's going on here. But uh, <laughs> I'll stop. How are you feeling right now as uh, as resident ombudsman of the Hawks right now? Brad, I feel like I don't know if I said this on the last time I was on, or I meant to say it, but, but I was like, you know, Jalen, I think I, I don't, I'm not sure if I said it. Jalen was like, could not miss any time because they had no <laughs> backup for him. I feel like, I feel like that thought wave was in my head, but I never said it. I, maybe I didn't get to it, but like we're also clearly going through the fact that they don't have a backup power forward. And so like every game is just a shootout and they're just losing. And like, they're not losing, like they're not getting washed because the offense is just that good but it's just I mean we saw it against the Cleveland Cavaliers like they can't get a stop no matter you know they they just don't have 
to me, it just it's like they don't have the personnel to consistently get stops unless they're playing, you know, with you know, two bigs. If they're not doing that, like it, it's just uh, whether it's Capello or Kongu, uh, they have nobody behind those two guys when they when they step up on the floor, regardless of the scheme they're playing, even in drop coverage, the big has to come out, yeah. you know, to contest the shot. If they do that, the, the offensive rebound, like it's, the lane is just filled because they don't have the the guys behind them, Dre, uh, Sadiq Bay, Dejounte Murray, and Trey Young. Like they they just don't have the requisite athleticism to compete against you know the other teams in the NBA, and they're already a smaller team considering their their backcourt. So it's just it's like it's one of those things where you're frustrated because of how well they're playing in certain areas, especially on offense. Like, they're playing some really good basketball. It's going underreported how well they're playing on offense. Uh, but, it, you know, it kind of doesn't matter because, like, they're, I mean, it, it, like their first shot defense isn't that bad, but if, if you can't grab the rebound, it doesn't matter. And that's where they're at right now. Like, they can't, they can't grab the rebound, uh, and that's leading to other breakdowns of guys um, – not, you know, playing with the level of force and intensity they need on defense because they feel like it, it. They feel they feel defeated when they step on the floor. Like sometimes that's what it feels like. Where it's like we're not competing physically because we know if we do, it doesn't matter. We're we're still not gonna get the rebound. That's that's what the Cavaliers game felt like. Like the yeah. second half, they were competing and like they were playing physical, hard nosed defense, and it didn't matter because like these guys, they're just not the athletes that you need to be able to play small ball basketball. I mean, honestly, we take this back to the Wayback Machine. Hawks are suffering from the same problems they've always suffered from during this Trey Young era, era, when it's one big. Whether like any like you look at you look at the whether it's if it's Capella and it's four smaller players, or Collins with four smaller players, or Congo for smaller players, they're not getting stops. They've th- these lineups have never gotten stops, just because the construction of the team, like they don't, other than Jalen, <laughs> they don't have that super athlete that you need to really make quote unquote small ball lineups work. Like they don't, they don't have the centers on this team don't have the the support that they need in order to get the best out of them. I don't think it's coincidence that Okongwu and Capella both started playing a lot better when Quinn started playing them more together so that they could get their confidence and able to challenge shots and able to, you know, be havoc creators on defense. Like, if if, if this Hawks team was filled, like, if DeAndre was a better athlete or Sadiq Bey was a better athlete, they were the same player, but just a better athlete, maybe, maybe this, maybe any scheme would work. But as is, their front court just isn't outside of their centers aren't athletic enough at the moment to get to do what needs to be done. Yeah, I think that's a good synopsis of what the issues are and you know, I'm 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 trying to kind of be typical to me kind of nuanced about like it's not like they're just drawing dead without Jalen Johnson. Like people, I think people have turned Jalen Johnson into like LeBron James as to how impactful he is. I mean, he's LeBron you know? James for this Brad, but I, I, you no, joke, I understand. But like that's, he, that's what he I'm saying. Is for this team. Right. So that's, like, I mean, I think he, you did a good, you did a good job there. I'm talking about like, he's, it's, it's not, this is part of it is that he's good for sure. Yeah. And part of it is that he's, he's irreplaceable more, more, more so than that. He's, you know, he's really good, but like 
there's no there's no replication there. Like it's gonna sound funny. Like they have an easier way to replace even Trey than yep. than Jalen because Dejounte is you know not Trey, but Dejounte has carried an offense before. Like he's been the number one option before. He's comfortable doing that. He's not as good as he's not nearly as good of it as Trey is, but he's he can at least do it in small in small ways. There's nobody that's like Jalen Johnson on this team. Like you know. Bay's a solid player, Hunter, you know, pros and cons, all that stuff. But, like, they, they just don't have that replication. And I'm, I'm glad you brought the two bigs thing because we're, we're going to get into that, too. But, I mean, it's not like – I wish Jalen had been playing at that level for longer so people had kind of noticed it more. I, you know, people in Atlanta know. But, like, I think especially when even – and we'll stay away from the national conversation for the most part here. But I think that it's like, oh, Jalen Johnson's out. It's fine. And it's like, no, I mean, a little bit half step deeper. It's like Jalen Johnson – Again, he's not irreplaceable, but they don't have anybody that does what he does. And with the way they built this roster, you can argue, and I would, that it's, you know, they, they need to do a better job of building the roster and like building the depth out and using some of the resources to get more guys, not necessarily like Jalen, but more guys who can prevent, like, you know, I think it was kind of foreseeable in some ways that if Jalen had gone down, they didn't really have a way to replace him. So it's like, we, you know. Brad, I, I was I was on the Jalen Johnson needs to be starting from the preseason because I saw the, this team and I was like, Hunter and Bay are they have their differences, but functionally they're the same basketball player. They are offense first wings. They're not bigs like they're not and they're not havoc creators defensively either. They're more like station to station. You know, Hunter's better at bay than this of like do your jobness on defense, but they're not like yeah. difference makers. We're not talking about you know Jaden McDaniel. Shout, shout out to Andrew Kelly with that one, but like they're not they're not a McDaniel's brother. You know, no. somebody who's going to come in and just destroy you know an offensive possession. Like that's not what Hunter and Bay are. And so, like to me, like when you know we joke about LeBron James, but like Jalen kind of is like. He more or less is. He's the big, physical-sized, skilled offensive player with havoc creation on defense. Like, you can't just – no team can suffer a loss like that. And the Hawks, you know, with, with the moves they made in the offseason, we don't need to delve too much into it. But with the – I would say even the lack of moves they've made, mm-hmm. Jalen's all they got at the position, functionally at the power at the quote-unquote power forward position. Jalen's the only player they have who can play alongside a center and can play alongside, also could play center himself in certain iterations of the team. They, they, there's nobody else on the, except maybe even Mo Gay, but Mo, Mo Gay is also hurt. I, like, I don't think Mo Gay would have, quote unquote, helped the team, but I do think, like, not even having the option, like, not even having, like, Quinn not even be able to be like, okay, I just need a seven-footer out there alongside my center to just calm some stuff down. Just just yeah. to get some size. Right, he, he throwing out lineups of Garrison Matthews, Wesley <laughs> Matthews. Say. So Bogdan okay. Bogdanovich and Trey Young. Like, what what what, wanna... what is he, well, how are they supposed to get stops with that lineup? Right. 
Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix, and PrizePix is the largest DFS platform in North America and also the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. At a PrizePix, you pick two to six players and then choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points, rebounds, assists, or other categories across other sports. And when it's 25 times money on your entries right now, you can also have common projections across sports that includes two or more players from different sports, different leagues pushed together in the same projection. And PrizePix also has a, has a huge selection of sports and stats to offer anywhere else. They have projections on the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, and many more, and they have a reboot policy at PrizePix as well. They are the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy. I've really enjoyed checking out PrizePix for quite some time now, and I dig in all the time to the NBA world as well as the NFL, college football, etc. And I certainly ex- I would re- I recommend the experience at PrizePix at the highest level. Uh, it's easy, it's fun, it's sort of intuitive, and I really enjoy digging in all the time. And the place to go to find price picks and all the exciting opportunities there is pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use promo code LockedOnNBA for a first-time deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA when you get there. Check out Daily Fantasy Sports made easy with price picks. So I want to do this a little bit because on one hand, I think it's it can be lazy to just say the Hawks are too small. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I hear that, especially about a Kongwu, like, I don't want to do that conversation, but I get messages all the time and responses from people that just like say, "Oh, he's a power forward. He, he can't play center, et cetera, et cetera." Because and it's expressed because he's six foot eight, and I get all that. Put that to the side. I'm not someone that says you have to have so much size. But I bring that up now because like they are so obviously too small without Jalen, and especially without Hunter. That the, the games without Jalen and Hunter, it was even more it was even more hilarious. Because yeah. at least Hunter, he doesn't always play big, but Hunter is a 6'10, 200, sorry, 6'8, 220 pound, you know, he's he's a large forward. He doesn't play like Jalen does. But like it was so stark without Hunter. But even then, they're just so small. And you know, Quinn put it this way, and I know I've quoted it a few times, but like he when I started playing a Kongwu and Capella together, it was the necessity is the mother dimension thing. They never wanted to do that a lot. Like I think it was an option. We saw it a little bit in the preseason. Like they'll experiment with it. I don't think Quinn ever thought he was going to have to play or want to play Kongwu and Capella for like, you know, 15 minutes and a half, which happened the other night. They played those guys like for most of a full half together, including like the whole fourth quarter. And it's because they're so small. I mean, player for player, you know, they're already small in the backcourt, right? And that that is a limiting factor. And then you know I'm not someone who thinks that they can't win with their, with Trey and Dejounte. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to acknowledge they they are small in the backcourt. They already are that. So they're you can't light. afford to be small. They're light, light as well. It's not just that they're yes. small per se. They are it's light. that they're Agreed. physically not big. Neither right? Because Dejounte Dejounte is not short. I mean he's not he's not big for a two. But Dejounte is six four. Like he's legit. He's got length, but he's not he's not physical by any means. Yeah. And then Trey is just. Trey, he's, he's very small. So you have those guys, and then you have your wing group. If you take Hunter away, uh, Bogey is 6'5", maybe 6'6", six, six, and plays like a two-guard. Bogey's like 6'7", but he plays like a two-guard. But, you know, I mean, he's 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 physically kind of strong, but he's not a physical defender, you know? Um, Garrison Matthews is 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, Wes Matthews has been their backup power forward at times. Wes Matthews is, is maybe 6'5". Like he he he's a good he's a good defensive player, but he's he's like he's like 36, 37 years old, and he's maybe six five. Um, they brought up Seth Lenny, didn't play him, which I understand. Trent Forrest, who I like, is a six four combo guard who doesn't really play offense. Patty Mills is six one. Like they don't have anybody to go to, and it's 
it really is just stark. There was there was a, I can't remember which game it was right now because I'm blanking, but there was a game this week where Quinn kind of just said that in the post game, like very plainly, like kind of like looking around, like you guys see what kind of size we're dealing with here, kind of thing. Like it wasn't that it wasn't he didn't say that, but it was the implication was like. What are you supposed to do? Like, you're, you're just so small that you can't do anything. And, yeah, Cleveland was so much bigger than the Hawks, even without Evan Mobley. You know what I mean? If they had Evan Mobley, it would have been, it would have been hilarious. Like, I don't know. It's Dean, Dean Wade might as, might as well have been Kevin Love last Well, week. and Dean Wade is legitimate, like, six, eight or nine. Like, he's a pretty big guy, but he shouldn't be able to do what he was doing to you the other day against Cleveland. And I don't know. I, I do think that the long – that's the long version. The short version is, like – their defensive struggles. I don't know if you've seen this. But I don't. I don't know if you've seen this or not. People are starting to question Quinn, which is part of the deal when you lose games. I get that, fans. I mean, um, I, I really do think it's as simple as they don't have the defensive personnel. I think it's very, very simple. Are there are there nights? Are there halves? Are there quarters where they should play better than they have played? Sure, absolutely. I'm not saying otherwise. But objectively, they just don't have the defensive personnel and. It's even more stark without Jalen. I think he unlocks, to bring that whole conversation full circle, that his absence unlocks even more of what the issues already are. Mm-hmm. But they already have the same issues even with Jalen. It's just that with Jalen, they have more size and more athleticism. Um, and again, it, we talk, we're talking about size now. It's also what you brought up earlier, his general like ranginess. They just don't have guys like that. Even though, I mean, again, DeJounte, by like point guard standards, is rangy and long. At the two, he's not like he's he's a very yeah, he's normal. It's a slight he's, he's he might be long. normal, and DeAndre Hunter is not like a crazy athlete at all at the small forward spot. No. Sadiq Bay is a below average athlete. He's physically beefy and strong, and he'll play hard. He'll be he'll be tough, but he's not rangy at all. Capella at this stage is not a super rangy guy. You know they they just don't have like the side to side even like you know high above the rim any of that stuff. It, it just says and I'm not trying to put too much on well, Jalen, but it's just the reality. Well. They do if they play, you know, a Congo and Capella together. Well, that's why. Okay, so let's do, let's do that now. You know, um, it's one of those things where it's like a Congo is a pretty good athlete, and he can guard out. On the he perimeter. is, and and they've and they've, they've uh, done it. Just go with that. And, and, okay, and granted, they did it. They did it one. They did it like they committed to it when they had game, to, and then when they had to, and then Capella plays thirty-five minutes once. And is now hurt again. So and that is like, that is part part of the part of the reason I think they have not done it more is because they don't they know they can't get away with and even a Kongu Kongu played like a fifteen minute straight stint like I know he's young they don't want to have him play as that many minutes in a row and to have those guys stagger I think this is me now I think that they would be wise if they were going to invest in a Kongu playing more at the four in the absence of Jalen to just have Bruno ready to play twelve minutes you know yeah, what I mean yeah. Um, so that way you don't have Bruno? to full full stagger Clint and Yaka. The problem is they don't want to play Bruno and Clint, which I understand. that They shouldn't do that. But no. when you have – basically you just have Clint play his normal role, his 28 minutes, 30 minutes a game. You have Onyeka play 10-12 at center and then the rest of his minutes at power forward. And then the rest of those minutes, whatever it is, 10 minutes or whatever, Bruno is more than capable. We saw that. I don't want to – like I'm not trying to stand Bruno, but he was very, very solid against Cleveland. Like he's, he's a very Bruno competent backup really- center. Bruno was really good at Cleveland because he ran, he was playing hard, playing physical, and he was creating options for Trey in ways that the other bigs don't because he's willing to take a power dribble. If that, oh, like, yeah. you know, you Bruno's know, skill. he's willing, Bruno he's has willing, good, he has he's, good ball skills and stuff like that. He's willing to stand, um, not at the dunker spot, but in like the mid post area 
for a for a post touch and then drive with physicality to the front of the rim in ways that a Congo does sometimes, but that's he he's more of the hook shot variety. And you Bruno, know, Bruno, Bruno Bruno likes doing that. Like that, that's like something Bruno like embraces likes the physicality, likes to move guys out of the way. And that's something that, you know, Capella doesn't, you know, Capella doesn't offer that, you know, just no. that power dribble ability. Um so I, I to me, I'm like, this is one where Quinn's just gonna have to uh suck it up and just play <laughs> bigger. And they're going to have to find a way to make the offense work. And, and, they, and like they, kind, the good, they kind of have, kind of. The good, the good thing is with the the ways in which this team is shooting the basketball, from Trey, Bogey, even DeAndre, um, I think they can get away with playing bigger. I, it's not something you could have said last year with the, even the same amount, you know, the same guys. But the levels of which Trey and Bogey in particular are shooting the basketball, Bogey. yeah, um, you can probably get away. You know, you also got Garrison Matthews, who's, who's a very good shooter, coming off the bench as well. Uh, if a, hopefully when AJ Griffin, uh, whenever he comes back, he's still he's still a good shooter. As somebody you can you can put on two big lineups and still get the requisite spacing you need. And with a Congo's improvement as a shooter, you put him at the four. You'll live with you know teams. Teams are going to give him the open three pointer as an yeah. offense. You'll take that. You'll take the easy, like you'll take the easy stuff. If for no other reason, this goes back to what we talked about last year. Is it, as long as you shoot the ball, at some point they're going to have to defend you. As long as long as you don't hesitate, as long as you don't hesitate, shoot the ball. You can become parentage where the percentage doesn't even matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's oh, where yeah. Congo is right now because and he doesn't by the hesitate. Way, a stat on that: he's taken, he's taken. Multiple threes in seven of the last eight games. Yeah, it's it's and coming. It's, it's not, coming with a call. And, and like, he didn't sh- he didn't shoot it well early on. Like I think he was like four of his first twenty five or something. Like pretty ugly. And to your point, they don't have to all go in. Like he shot, but he shot better. And I think that they. This is a very simple observation, but I think that when they have him out there with Clint, I think Onyeka is being really told, like really emphasized, like you have to shoot, you have to. If you you get the ball out there. If you're going to play with Clint, you have to fire away. And I think he's been more aggressive looking for a shot. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NBA and NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 in your pocket in terms of bucks if your team wins. And beyond the awesome perks of signing up with FanDuel right now, they have all stuff they're looking for across the sports betting space. They have over-unders and money lines. They have point spreads, player props, future bets, game props. They have same-game parlays, live betting, and all the other offers they're looking for in the sports betting space. And the app is also safe and Secure at FanDuel. They cover the entire range of sports as well. That includes the NFL and the NBA, of course, but also the WNBA, college basketball, MLB when it's in season, and also futures right now on the baseball side. Golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, MMA, boxing. It is all there for you at FanDuel. And they have tons of Hawks options as well in advance of the game on Monday against Detroit and well beyond that. Live bets when the game's going on, futures, player awards, etc. And now is the best possible time to sign up with the folks at FanDuel. To, and the place to go is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Check out the official support partner of the Locked On Podcast Network with an offer that you will not want to miss. It's really an awesome offer. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn is the place to go. One more time, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. To me, it's helped, it's helped his game. Like, yeah. he's playing better. Because he's giving a defined role. Right. Hey, you got to be the shooter. And, like, that's not what, he, like, 
regardless of what you what people say, like that that isn't Akungu has struggled in his career, like he's had his struggles where his role isn't defined, where he doesn't know when he's getting the ball, he doesn't know when he's getting his touches. Now I'm in the corner, I'm guaranteed to get the ball. I'm guaranteed, yeah. and all I gotta do is shoot it. I make these things in practice. I'm a good free throw shooter. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, and like you're also me, like, he's more involved. He's more involved in the game offensively, and then it leads to better play on defense. That's just how the I was game say, works. Basketball and also, and, and also, you're not asking him to play center next to a bunch of wings. Like for all the Onyeka stuff. Again, we don't have to do this whole thing again. But like him at center doesn't work with small wings who can't rebound like that's not gonna work and i like a congo i always have but like i think the theory of a congo at center involves an athletic big power forward that kind of resembles someone like jalen johnson you know what i mean like yeah so that that's just that's another, that's another thing where like I, I think it does make sense especially right now without jalen to try on yeka at the four i might say this last night and i just forgot on the show i my guess as to why they didn't play bruno and a congo together without capella is that they just haven't practiced that. That's that's my best guess. Yeah. Is that is that those guys, you know, Bruno, you know, number one, Bruno will practice during the season. Flat out hasn't played. Well, that's what like, I'm saying. He hasn't played with these guys. Teams will practice during the season. That's important to keep in mind for fans that don't really realize that teams do not practice very much during the season. That's just reality in the NBA. Bruno had played so little that he had to go to Quinn and ask to go play in College Park for a game to just, just, just to get game reps. Quinn said last night that Bruno got tired because he's not played in a game. Like it's like it's different to play in a game. It just is. So, I think all that said, that's probably why they didn't try that last night. I still might have just thrown it out there and see if it worked. But I have a suspicion that is why they didn't do it because they could they could have used it last night. And and Hunter was uh, back too, so maybe it was a little bit less dire, but I would have liked to see I know Kevin was calling for it and I would I would have liked to see it too. Just yeah. I think uh next game either they need to go to that earlier or start start Bruno uh, just and by the way, Capella is questionable for Mondays. People listen to this. Capella is questionable as we record this podcast, so he might play Mondays. We, we don't know, um, but I I'm with you. I'm, I'm I'm saying this just so that they can get a feel for it. You can get away with it early in the game too if it's early enough. Like well, and, and the piston and the Pistons play two bigs a lot, and it's a pretty good time to yeah. try it. And, and like honestly, like more importantly. Leaving the Pistons out of it, yeah. Um, Hawks can't afford to be a team that's giving up offensive rebounds like this. Like they, they, no. they, they this, this, this roster is not. They, no team can survive. Like they, the Cavaliers game, Akongu's, you know, they're they're trying to get the ball out of Donald Mitchell's hands. They get it out of his hands, but they have no reputation in, in the back line and nobody who's willing no. to take on. You know who can even take on that assignment as a backline defender if a con was you know thirty feet away from the rim, and that's what got Jerry out. Al- like Jerry Allen's just grabbing layups, free rise, to the rim. T- free ra- just <laughs> yeah. it's 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 basic. You know it's basic. Like this, well, it's, this it's is high the, school it, stuff. It's the same issue that of the defense is the same issue as the rebounding. If you have your center, whether it's Capella or Kongu, it doesn't matter who it is. If they're out there on the floor because they have to be, there's nobody under the rim. That, that is worrisome to the opponent. And like, even with Clint, who's a great rebounder, he can't rebound by himself with a bunch of small guys. Like, not, he's not capable of just dominating that. So the Hawks right now, just a part of this is scheme based. So part of this is that Quinn is asking these guys to play further out. That's part of it. 
But the problem with that is, right now, without Jalen in particular to rebound on the back line, they went from being above average three or four years ago on the on the defensive glass to be to about average last year to bottom five this year in defensive rebounding. And like again, part of that is scheme. I think that I would have I would have projected the Hawks to be a little bit worse on the defensive glass this year with how they were gonna play. But the combination of that and the loss of Jalen and just the just the lack of size they just can't they can't rebound and it's it's not like you know Quinn talks about this all the time it's 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 a situation where they have to gain rebound but there's quite honestly only so much that Trey or DJ or Garrison Matthews can do on the glass I think Bay can this is not like right they, this they is don't not have, they in don't this team's DNA no to gain rebound to play the physical brand of basketball that and they're trying they're trying they're trying to they're preach trying, it, right? you're right it's not it's not but it's there. like it's like you're asking, you're asking, you're asking guys who have never played this way before, who've never played that that type of you know uh, hard scrabble defensive re- like that. The second the shot goes up, we're we are like moving dudes out the way, <laughs> and we're you know we're tracking the ball, and then we're we're getting the rebound. Like that's not that's outside of the bigs. These guys don't do that. They're all a bunch of. No. They're a bunch of box out. They 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 try to box out. They do it poorly because they don't put any real pressure and they don't track the ball. Like these guys yeah. aren't rebounding is not a skill. It is a talent. And in regards to the talent of rebounding, outside of Capella, Okongu, Jalen, and Bruno, this team doesn't have it. Like DeJounte no, and, Murray was pro- professed to be a good rebounder, but we've kind of seen that. If it's not if it's a contested rebound, he's not getting it. Well, like, and he just doesn't have the size. It's another example of you know, positions don't matter that much, but they archetypes do. Like if, if DeJounte's playing point guard, he's a pretty That's, good rebounder. Yeah. You know what I mean? If he's but he's if he's playing if he's playing if he's playing a wing spot, he's not a good rebounder. DeAndre Hunter is not a good rebounder anywhere, but if he's at the three, it doesn't kill you. If he's playing the four, he's a terrible rebounder at the four. Sadiq Bey is a pretty good rebounder for a three. He's below average for the four for a four, and he's playing a lot of four this year. So like, I don't I don't mean to make make it that simple, but it, it really is just it's skill based and it's archetypal, and they don't have Capella is the only guy actively right now without with Jalen out. Capella is the only guy that is above average rebounder for for his position. Yep. The only guy, Akangu playing the four probably would be if he's playing the four, but at the five he's not. Obviously, we already know we already know that. So uh, you know, it's kind I of think simple math. It, if Bruno were to play, I think. No, Bru- yeah, Bruno I, I, can I really can like. I, I'll say this: Bruno was much better on the glass than Okongu was. Uh, oh, he Bruno is a better rebounder than Okongu. Like he, he's he, he's just a he's just a more physical guy. Like he's just you know. He's a little bigger Okongu too. Not a, it's not, not it's physical. Not, it's not, not all size, but he he is he is more physical and more of a bruiser. And look, Bruno, that was part of what made Bruno a potential first round pick. He didn't go in the first round, but he was maybe going to go in the first round of that draft. Is that he had like bonkers rebounding numbers at Maryland? Like it wasn't like he was really rebounding at a high level in college. And that's you know this always translate. But he's been a I'm looking at the numbers right now. Yeah, he's been a consistently pretty good rebounder. Not not Capella level, but pretty good at center. And, and to me, if I'm Quinn, I'm like Bruno showed me some good play on both ends. I got to get him some minutes. Try it again because we got bigger picture. If we could just get. Some stops. We're beating. <laughs> we beat teams by ten points. Nobody yeah. can stop. Nobody can stop this offense. Okay, so 
<laughs> the Hawks are fourth like, in the league. It's a good time of transition, so we'll do this now. It's like someone. <laughs> it's a great way great way to wrap this up all right that is all for part one of this two-part chat with myself and tyra jones please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast places like apple and spotify as well as youtube on the video side and please tell a friend about the podcast as well stay tuned part two b should be available in your feeds of choice right now and uh, with all that said we'll see you with part two thank you for listening to the podcast and we'll see you all next time